Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you've ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. I don't have a guest today, just me, because all week I've felt really inspired to do an episode on body image, self-esteem, and how that connects to the rest of our world and how that affects how we tackle these bumps that we all face in life. So I'm going to share my story, which has been pretty tumultuous with body image and self-esteem. And I've told myself going into this, if this helps one person, then it's worth sharing my story. In thinking about this, my self-esteem really started to shape when I entered elementary school. I was very small, smaller than the rest of the kids, and that affected me dramatically because I took my physical petiteness and translated that into me thinking, I'm too small to speak up in class. I'm too small to have an opinion in a group. I'm too small to make friends. I'm too small to really amount to much of anything. And at home, I felt small. At school, I made myself feel small. And it really hindered me becoming who I I wish I would have become from a very early age. I became very shy. I wasn't good at making friends. And I told myself that I wasn't good at making friends because I was too small to do so. And I think for all of us, we have this inner dialogue that often says, maybe for you, it's I'm too tall or I'm too fat. Or maybe when you went to elementary school, you recognize that you wore glasses and most of your class didn't, or you had more freckles than your friends. And so many times these little things can translate. It's like a, a ripple in the ocean And it can just affect every other aspect of our lives, of telling ourselves that I'm not good enough, I can't do this, I'm not smart enough, I'm not talented enough. And it all starts with how we feel about ourselves. I think in key, a big piece is how we feel about ourselves physically. So I started out in elementary school feeling not good enough feeling too small to do much of anything. And then as I became a teenager, another key moment in my life was when I started to become a woman and I developed hips. I didn't develop breasts. That just was not uh, God's gift to me. But I did develop hips and I didn't know what to do with this. I, I had this new figure. I wasn't the little girl with glasses anymore. I was turning into a woman, and I didn't know how to translate that. I never had a conversation with my mom or another woman where she said, it's okay to have hips. Those are going to be attractive to men someday, or it's part of you becoming a woman. And so I took this newfound figure of mine 
And in my brain, I translated that to I'm fat. Keep in mind, at this point, I was 12 years old, 12 to 13, five foot nothing. I weighed about 80 pounds. So I was far from fat. But because my figure was changing, I just didn't know how to make sense of it. So I looked around me and I saw all of these women who would verbalize, I'm fat, I need to lose 20 pounds. I heard this from my mom's friends. I heard this from my aunts. I heard it from pretty much the majority of the adult women around me. And here I have this newfound figure and I have convinced myself that I'm fat. And at the same time, here I am as a teenager, everyone else in my little brain seems to be going out with someone. This is back in the 90s when if you had a boyfriend, you were going out with someone. So as much as you can have a boyfriend at 13 years old, it seemed like all of my friends had boyfriends. And I didn't. But I didn't know why. The only way I could make sense of it was, A, I was flat-chested. People called me pancake in school. There was nothing I could do about that other than start a savings account for a boob job, which I did at a very young age, and then to lose weight or to lose these hips that I had developed. So I thought going on a diet was really cool. It was an adult thing to do. It was something that I had convinced myself would attract men, so I started to diet. I also knew by me going on a diet that that would get me attention at home. I came from a house that dinner time was very important. So every night we sat down, we broke bread, we said grace, and I knew that if I wasn't eating or I was eating less or I was vocalizing that I needed to lose weight, that it would get my parents' attention. For whatever reason, I was starving for my parents' attention. And I felt like all of the attention that I got in my home was negative attention because I was the type of kid that acted up. I was the type of kid that got in trouble. And I think I'd even convinced myself that if I lost weight, my parents would be prouder of me. So it was kind of twofold. It was getting attention at home and it was getting attention from men. And I think I'd even convinced myself that I would have friends if I lost weight. Which how many times do we do this in life where we have a problem and we think if only I could tackle this one problem, the rest of my world would fall into place. If only I could make more money all of my problems would go away. If only I could land that guy, everything in my world would be bliss. This is what I told myself with, if only I could lose weight. So I started to diet. And back in the 90s, when I was a teenager, the big fad was low fat. So this was 25 years before the keto days. Fat was not good. There were a lot of fat-free products in stores. And that's what I initially started focusing on was 
having a fat-free lifestyle, which was detrimental because here I am, 13 years old, I'm a growing girl, and I'm trying to eliminate fat in my life. So every day I would calculate how many fat grams I was intaking during the day. I weighed myself every single morning. I'd look in the mirror and if I could see my ribs just a little bit more, that was an accomplishment to me. If I was down half a pound or a pound, that was a huge accomplishment to me. This was also at the time where being curvaceous was not necessarily cool. It was the waif period. You had Kate Moss in magazines and I looked at women in magazines and I thought, like many of you, they've got it made. They've got some hot guy. They make a lot of money. Everyone thinks they're really cool. So if I can just be like them, everything in my world will be good. Started with the fat grams. That turned into counting calories. And the goal was always less and less and less. Thinner and thinner and thinner. I set really ridiculous goals at this time in my life. Mind you, again, I was a very petite person to begin with. I just didn't recognize it. So I started this journey, this weight loss journey, this demise into anorexia with a goal to go from 80, 85 pounds down to 50 pounds. And the reason I chose that absurd number was because my sister, who was four years younger than me, weighed 50 pounds. And because I was a problem in my household, and she was my parents' pride and joy, I thought if I could weigh what my sister weighs, they'll love me more. They'll be proud of me. And everyone else outside of the house, friends, extended family, will think I'm as great as my sister too. So as anorexia grabbed a hold of my brain, an unrealistic goal like that became my reality, became my sole mission in life. Despite the fact that my parents eventually took me to doctors who told me that if I ever reached 50 pounds, I would be dead. I think deep down inside, part of me didn't even care about that because I was in so much pain inside and I hated myself when I looked in the mirror that there were times when it just felt easier to be dead. With this eating disorder... I have to say that the majority of the time that I battled it, and I battled eating disorders, anorexia and bulimia, for seven years, the majority of the time that I was going through this, I would tell myself that I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to be called anorexic. I'm not good enough to be called a bulimic. I'm not good enough. I remember my mom sitting outside. She was taking me to a therapist and... Mind you, I can't even fathom what my parents went through on this journey, watching their teenage daughter on a mission to become insanely thin and 
little by little kill herself. But I was sitting outside in the car with my mom and we were about to go see a therapist about my eating disorder. And she laid it out to me. She said, you have anorexia. And I said, no, I don't. No, I don't. I'm not good enough to have anorexia. I'm not like girls I've seen in magazines. I'm not like girls I've seen on television. Even girls that I saw with eating disorders, those people became my models. I wanted to be good at something. That was another piece. I didn't feel like I was good at anything other than getting in trouble or being small in a sense that I went unnoticed in a crowd. I wasn't good at anything. I would try in school, but I was always not the smartest. I would try to make the cheer squad, but I'd always fall a little short. I'd make it one year, and then I didn't make it the next. I'd think I had friends, and then things would slowly fall apart. So I did this even with my eating disorder, telling myself, you're not good enough. You're not doing it right. You haven't lost enough weight, which honestly, I didn't lose a lot of weight. I didn't have a lot of weight to lose. So the very lowest that I ever got down to was 64 pounds. When I was in the eighth grade, I got down to 64 pounds. And this whole eating disorder thing this time in my life became my identity. I was afraid to even get out of it because it's kind of what I became known for at school. As awful as that sounds, I think there's a little piece of me that liked at least someone noticed something about me. But I became trapped thinking, if I eat lunch at school, if I eat in front of my friends, I've failed. I'm not a good anorexic. I'm not good at doing this eating disorder stuff. And I felt the same way about bulimia. I developed bulimia at one point because I'm sure I thought, well, I'm not an anorexic pro, (laughs) so I guess I'll try this other method And I wasn't good at it. I couldn't make myself throw up. And it just honestly impacted every aspect of my life. And at the time, I didn't recognize it. I didn't realize that the fact that I was starving myself was completely hindering me from getting a boyfriend. I didn't recognize that having this fixation with food was completely sabotaging myself socially. I'd get friends, and then those friends didn't last because they got sick and tired of me not wanting to go out for pizza, of talking about food, talking about losing weight, being depressed. No one wanted to be around me. The real turning point for me, and I have to say I am so insanely grateful that I made it out of that whole mess. I battled eating disorders, like I said, for seven years, but there are a lot of women that lose their life 
to an eating disorder. So I will forever be grateful for a young man that I had a crush on when I was in high school. And we became good friends. I think he always saw me as the girl next door, my buddy. He was never interested in dating me per se. But he had a lot of influence on my life. So he would come over and he started talking to me, saying I would never be interested in a girl that was super skinny like you. I would never be interested in a girl that was always on a diet. And his opinion of me was so powerful that it started to encourage me to eat a piece of pizza in front of him or I would challenge myself to eat breakfast. I hadn't eaten breakfast in years at this point. I was about 16. I hadn't eaten breakfast in years and I had convinced myself that if I ate breakfast, I was going to get fat. So with this guy's influence and my parents were always trying to be supportive and play their cards right. I started eating breakfast just a little bit and it was super eye-opening to me that that number on the scale didn't immediately skyrocket. I may have gained a pound or two, which was still very scary to me at that point, but it didn't skyrocket because truth be told, I was starving myself and my body was holding on to every calorie that I would give my body. And when I started giving it more nutrients, my body started to trust, oh, she's going to feed me tomorrow and the next day. And my metabolism regulated. So I battled the eating disorder until I was about 19, 20 years old. And it took me, like I said, between about 16 and 19 to really get a hold on it. And it didn't become the main focus in my life. I will still say here I am at 38 and I still have, it's like my Achilles heel. I still have little things that drive me crazy. I still weigh myself every single day and I wish that I didn't, but it's this control piece. I feel like I have to know if I gained a little bit or if I lost a little bit. I eat pretty much whatever I want. It is not a constant dialogue in my brain but I have the, I have to know what I weigh all the time. And I've had this thing, this is like embarrassing for me to throw out there because it sounds ridiculous. So once again, keep in mind, I'm 5'2 now. I'm a very petite person. And I was scared to death of 100 pounds, of hitting 100 pounds. Even naturally, when I started eating what I wanted to, I weighed 90, 95 pounds as a full-grown adult. That was what my body was comfortable at. But I was terrified of 100 pounds. I just have always convinced myself that if I got to that place, I was fat. And I think there's even been a part of it, maybe this sounds ridiculous, but I was afraid of being 100 pounds because I felt like then I had to be a real adult. I had to make adult decisions and I I wanted to stay small to, I guess, keep up with that same dialogue that I started when I was really young in elementary school that I am a small person. I'm not going to be the person to 
lead a group at work. I'm never going to be the boss. I'm never going to make big decisions in my life because I'm small. And I became very comfortable with that. I thought, you know what? It's just easier to be a small person, to be a follower. So that's become a big part of my identity. And the crazy thing is, I think I've always known from a very young age that I could do big things. I knew that I had a voice. I knew that I had a message. But I had just told myself that I was too small to have big dreams. So here I am at 19, and I've pretty much tackled the eating disorder. But of course, I had a new focus, a new flaw with my body because my life was still not perfect. At this point, I still did not have a boyfriend. I was back living at home with my parents. I was a teller at a bank, so I wasn't achieving my career goals. I was going to school, but I was still a little lost in the world. And my eating disorder didn't help me accomplish any of this. So again, because I felt a little out of control in my life, I looked at myself in the mirror and thought, what needs to change? Well, I thought I needed a boob job, which quite honestly, to balance out my hips, maybe I did. In fact, my sister at one point went to my parents and said, please support her in this because if anyone needs a boob job, it's Carly. And when I went to the doctor, he said, just so you know, putting breast implants in you is pretty much like putting them in a man because you don't have breast tissue. God just, for whatever reason, did not bless me with breasts. The reason I bring up wanting a boob job, though, is because, again, I told myself that if I just enhanced my bra size, everything else in my life would fall into place. I'd get a guy. I'd get a job. I'd feel more comfortable speaking in a group. And surprise, surprise, it didn't work. I saved up my money. And yes, I felt better in a t-shirt but I was still painfully insecure about who I was. Ironically, at this time, I did land a guy. <laughs> Shortly after getting the boob job, I landed a guy. So I think there was a part of me, this, this man became my husband. I thought it worked. I fixed myself physically and it did fix a part of my life. Now I will say with any physical insecurity that you may have, I do think that, you know, if you want to lose 20 pounds and you think that's going to make you feel better, maybe it will make you feel better. If you want to clear up the acne on your skin and you do that, you go to the dermatologist, it probably will increase your self-esteem. But we are so naive in thinking that changing our physical appearance will translate to every other aspect of our life. And we have to have that good inner dialogue that says, you know what? If I lose 20 pounds, I am going to look amazing, but I already know that I am inside. I already know that I can accomplish anything I set my mind to. And that's just a little bonus. Clearing up the acne, losing the weight, whatever it looks like for you, that's just a bonus in your life. It's not going to fix everything. So here I am still painfully insecure. I get married. 
and I try to sell to the world that I'm confident. Yay, I got a guy. And I started wrapping up college shortly after this. I got a job. I got a job in my field. So it was, you know, I'm accomplishing my dreams. But inside, I was still so insecure. Around my husband, I was so insecure. And he would make little comments, innocent little comments about my body. Because you think you're close when you're married. And it would devastate me. And I know I did the same thing to him. One night, we were sitting there. He has a twin brother. And I said, you know, your twin's looking really good. He'd gotten into the gym. You have those same genetics. You could look like that, too. And it devastated him because he was more insecure than I realized. And that's the thing. If you look around you, almost everyone you meet has a physical insecurity, if not one, probably more. But we don't see that. We don't see that. And so I remember this was a really, this was a moment in my life where I went, you have no idea what I feel like inside. I went to go pick out a dress at a department store. So I'm going in and out of the dressing room, showing my husband different dresses. And as I come out of that dressing room one day, a woman says to me, look at you. You're just a little Barbie doll. You are so cute. And in that moment, I thought, lady, you have no idea how I feel about myself. You have no idea how low my self-esteem is. You have no idea how every time I put on a dress, I'm sitting here in this mirror and I am analyzing every single flaw. Every single flaw that I've conjured up in my brain is a flaw. That was a huge lesson to me because here's this woman looking at me thinking, oh, cute little thing. She's perfect. And I was painfully insecure. So how many times do we look at people and think they've got it all together Look at so-and-so walking into the office. They always look great. I wish I looked like them. I wish I could be like them. And you have no idea what they're going through on the inside. No idea. Sometimes the people that come across as the most secure are the most insecure people on the inside. So here I am standing in the mirror, young adult, I've fixed my breasts. I've come to peace with where I stand with my weight. I'm even kind of okay with my hips at this point. I've got curves. It's okay. And I become very aware and hyper-focused on the fact that I have scoliosis. Scoliosis is a word that I heard when I was 19 years old. And I started to develop back pain. So we went to the doctor. He casually mentioned I had scoliosis. I didn't know what that was. He said it's an abnormal curvature of the spine. I honestly thought in my little naive mind, doesn't everyone kind of have a curve to their spine? Because the, the spine does have a natural curve to it. I didn't understand what he meant. 
Ended up seeing another doctor who said, yes, you've got scoliosis. That's why your back hurts. And his advice to me was gain 10 pounds. Hopefully no one will notice, which was horrible medical advice. Um, But I became aware that I had this deformity. And I started noticing in the mirror that my ribs were a little uneven, that my breasts were a little uneven. I didn't look at my back because how many of us look at our backs or spend much time doing that unless you're checking your hair you just don't really pay that much attention to your back. And that that's how I was. No one ever said anything to me. No one commented what's wrong with your back. But I became hyper-focused. I have a deformity. So when I would bend over, I became aware of that when I would bend over, half of my rib cage would rise higher than the other half of my rib cage. And so I had this hunch on my back when I would bend over. I noticed that I had a shoulder blade that would stick out more than the other shoulder blade. And once again, my self-esteem just plummeted. My physical self-awareness just, I am a piece of garbage. I would look into the mirror and think I looked like a monster. I would look around me and think, Everyone I know has a beautiful straight back and I am deformed. I'm like an alien. I'm disgusting. I would have this constant dialogue in my head. And I I had to go on with my life. I had to show up for work every day. I had to take care of kids at this point. And so I kept getting up and I was going, but... I was hiding my insecurity. Physically, I was hiding my insecurity with jackets or baggy shirts that I thought covered up my back. I was hiding how insecure I was inside. And yet, again, I know this inhibited me. It inhibited me from being who I wanted to be at work. It inhibited me growing in my career. I think it even inhibited me with my children as they got a little older I was easily manipulated. Yes, you can have whatever you want because I felt, once again, too small, too flawed, not good enough. I felt horrible around my husband. I I remember feeling really bad for him, thinking, you married this girl that you think is cute, and then I took my clothes off, and you were shocked because I have this terrible deformity, and I'm not perfect. I will say this newfound body obsession was in some ways a huge gift from God. At certain times in my life, my OCD, my ability to hyperfocus has come as a great blessing because this was a turning point for me on so many levels. Eventually, the people around me got sick of me complaining about my back, and I would only talk about it to people I was very close to. So my husband, my parents, my sister, maybe a few close friends, neighbors. Everyone got sick and tired of me talking about my back. And I was encouraged to do something about it. I started doing something about it. I started looking up online. What can I do? Can I have surgery? Are there exercises? How can I make this better? How can I fix this? And then... 
Keep in mind, once again, everything else in my life is going to be perfect. If I just get my back fixed, everything else in my life is going to be ideal, happily ever after. So I start looking into doctors. I went to a few different doctors who told me, you're fully grown. It's not going to get any worse. We can't brace you. It's not quite bad enough. Sorry, you're going to have to live with this deformity. I ended up winning a trip through work where we could go anywhere, trip for two, in the continental United States. My husband wanted to go to Florida, which sounds way more fun than Austin, Texas. But I wanted to go to Austin, Texas because there is a world-renowned scoliosis doctor. His name's Matthew Geck, Dr. Matthew Geck, in Austin, Texas. And my self-esteem was affecting my thoughts constantly at this point. My obsession with my back was affecting me on all levels. It was like I was right back in the eating disorder days, full-blown obsession, constantly researching on my computer instead of taking care of my kids, not present with my friends, not present at work, not present with my husband. And so my husband agreed, we need to go to Austin, Texas, and we need to talk to Dr. Geck. Before we even got to Austin, Texas, I sent him my x-rays, and I will never forget getting a phone call from one of his assistants saying, Dr. Geck says he can help you. That was the first time I'd ever heard that, and I was just like, hallelujah. Please take this pain away from me because it was, there were times that I would think, I, I wish I was dead. I wish I was dead rather than to have this deformity. I felt like every time I walked outside my door, people were whispering or thinking things about me. And I'm sure the majority of that was not true, but I had convinced myself that everyone thought I was a disgusting monster. And so I was in a place where I couldn't function. I couldn't give anything to my husband. I was just going through the motion with my kids making dinner, getting them dressed. I was doing those things, but I was a shell of myself. So we went to Austin, Texas, and long story short, I ended up having a full spinal fusion that corrected my spine. So the deformity is gone. I look in the mirror, and I'm learning to be okay, finally, with who I am I don't want to throw out the message that fixing these things fixes everything else in your life because it doesn't. But for me, this was one thing I had to fix in order to stop obsessing about it and to move on with my life. And I learned, too, that I had to fix it for my health, for my physical well-being long-term because my spine was slowly, little by little, one degree per year, getting more and more crooked. And my spine would have eventually collapsed and it could affect internal organs. It could affect my ability to walk. And I've actually seen this process happen with my mom. My mom has scoliosis and 
she's undergone surgery and she's she's ended up continuing to have problems in part because it wasn't tackled as early as it should have been and she wasn't guided the way that she should have been medically but I watched what could have happened and I am so grateful so grateful for modern medicine I have never had a more spiritual moment in my life and I feel silly saying this because I've given birth to children and those were incredible moments as well but this was just a unique experience that I'll never forget when I was in the operating room going into scoliosis surgery which is the biggest orthopedic surgery you can possibly have you're literally having your skeleton reconfigured it's terrifying and I had worried about this surgery as much as I wanted it I had worried about this surgery for months as I was in the pre-op room, I felt a peace come over me like I've never felt in my life. And I am not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person, but I am not into organized religion, even though I was raised that way. But I had no doubt in that moment that God and his angels were around me. And with the help of a lot of people, I got through that surgery and I emerged a new person, at least to the point that I could move forward. The problem being, again, and I don't know how much I can emphasize this, I don't think I can emphasize it enough, fixing something about yourself physically will not fix the rest of your life. So here I am. For once, I feel decent, at least, about how I look in the mirror, but I hated myself. I hated who I had become. I had destroyed my relationship with my husband. I had driven away so many friends. I had family that was frustrated with me at this point because of decisions that I had made in my life, and I wasn't even making good decisions. I had started drinking alcohol. I was drinking too much, even if I tried to tell myself that I wasn't. I just started making a lot of poor decisions in my life because I still wasn't happy with who I was. And it took me years of counseling, of rewiring my brain, of going back and healing things in my childhood that had dragged down my self-esteem, it has taken me a long time to love the girl in the mirror. But it was not until I started fixing all that garbage on the inside that I could look myself in the mirror and be okay with it. I know that even after I had scoliosis surgery and I tackled the eating disorder and I got a boob job, all those things that I thought were going to make me look physically great, I still had a very difficult time as I'd get ready in the morning, really looking at myself in the mirror. I got to a point where I hated looking at myself in the mirror because I hated the person that I had become. I wasn't the mom that I wanted to be. I wasn't the wife that I wanted to be. I wasn't the employee that I wanted to be. I wasn't the friend that I wanted to be in part because I'd become so caught up in my own issues, so caught up in my troubles and what was going on in my life and life isn't fair and God has handed me all this garbage and why would he hand it to me because 
I'm not a strong enough person. If God will never give you something you can't handle, why would he give scoliosis to me? Because I told myself, I can't handle this. I'm too insecure. And I was. I was too insecure with who I was on the inside, regardless of what I looked like on the outside. Going to therapy, tackling my issues was everything. It was everything. And I cannot emphasize enough or encourage you enough to seek therapy. There are free resources out there. There is stuff on the internet. Read an inspirational book to better yourself. Listen to a podcast that makes you feel better about yourself. Do the hard work until you can look yourself in the mirror and say truly, truly, I love the person staring back. Not I love the person that just lost 30 pounds. Not I love the person that just got new hair extensions. Not I love the person that just got plastic surgery or Botox or whatever it is. But that you truly love the person standing back regardless of the reflection. I had to forgive myself for so many things. I had to forgive myself for being a bad kid. I had to forgive myself for being a bad wife. I had to forgive myself for making all these mistakes in my life. And I had to start at square one and start loving myself. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to start today. Forget all of that garbage. Forget it. I don't care what you've done in your life. I don't care how you feel about yourself right at this moment. It needs to change. Because when you learn to love yourself for who you are on the inside, that is when your relationship gets better. That's when things at work get better. That's when you find the ability to make a new friend. That's where it all starts. Do not kid yourself. Do not think that if you fix something physically, it will change other aspects of your life. Most likely it will not. It may improve your self-esteem a little bit. But if you're anything like me, you're going to find something else wrong in the mirror. I can still find things wrong in the mirror. My forehead's too high. My hips are still too big. My skin is blotchy. I have sun damage. I mean, bags under my eyes. I could pick myself apart forever. But it doesn't do any good. Through tackling my root issues and not sweeping them under the rug, by learning to truly forgive myself, by seeing that I have something to offer the world, by seeing that I have something to offer the world because of the challenges that I've been through, that's where I've gained the most self-love. I've gained incredible gratitude for the challenges that have come in my life. I'm so grateful. I never thought I'd say I was so grateful, but I am so grateful that I had scoliosis, that I know what it feels like to feel like a monster and to come out on the other side. I'm so grateful I battled an eating disorder and that I survived it. I am so grateful that I've gone through a divorce. Sounds silly, 
But there's no way that I could be the person that I am today and I'm still learning and I'm still growing and I'm still fighting that self-esteem. There are days that, that I struggle with it for sure. I think it will be a battle the rest of my life, but I'm going to keep fighting for that girl in the mirror. And I'm grateful for all of the challenges that I've gone through. And I hope to find gratitude in all of the challenges I will face. So I just want to leave you with this. And if this whole thing has been a hot mess, I apologize because this has been very unscripted from my heart and just a message that I felt like I need to share my story because I'm the unsuspecting girl. I'm the little petite blonde that the girl that needs to lose 50 pounds looks at and envies. And I know I'm that girl. But you need to know that that girl has looked in the mirror most of her life and hated the reflection, hated what she looked like, hated who she was on the inside. But you also need to know that there's hope, that you can learn to love yourself, flawed and all. You may never lose the weight. You may never, there are things I can't fix. I can't fix the fact that I have a big forehead. That's not going to happen. I have thin hair. I could get hair extensions, but those are expensive and a pain in the butt. So there are things that I'm just not going to fix physically. And there are things that you are not going to fix physically. You can pick yourself apart forever. But learn to love who you are. And if you can't do it, take the steps to get there. Find the right therapist. Start reading inspirational books. Listen to the podcast. Surround yourself with other people that will better your life. And my hope and my prayer is for every single person to get to a place where they love the person they see in the mirror. If we could get to that place, imagine the world we would live in. So start today. Stop shaming yourself. Stop hating yourself. Take those steps and learn to love yourself. Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.